You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. We're closing out our uh, parable series. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at the final parable, which is found in Mark chapter 7. So if you take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 7, and then just hold your place. You'll be ready to follow along when I read it in just a little while. Every other week we'll be going to Matthew, uh, but today uh, we're going to find ourselves in Mark. While you're turning there, let me just say, you know, over the past few months... Uh, we've all heard a lot about the importance of washing our hands. Would you agree? Probably more than ever before. Um, not only, uh, well, what we've learned is that uh, washing our hands is one of the three W's that's believed to, uh, you know, mitigate the, the risk of, of spreading the virus. The three W's, what are they? Wash your hands, watch your distance, and then there's, of the course, the most controversial, wear a mask. And we won't really talk much about that today. Um, but uh, what we learned early on is it's not just about washing our hands, but it's about learning how to wash our hands the proper way. And I think we all think, well, I know how to wash my hands. But I realized this week Uh, that maybe we don't necessarily know exactly how to wash our hands really good. And so I thought maybe I, maybe you do, maybe I'm just missing out. But I thought this morning just to make sure that we could watch this short video together just to make sure we all know how to properly wash our hands. All right, I'm going to show you how to wash your hands. Most people know how to do this, but always worth remembering. I'm just going to wet my hands here, get plenty of soap, and just start rubbing your hands. Now make sure you really interlace your fingers like this, and then also turn your hands over. Don't forget the backs of your hands. People often forget that. Both sides, get it really well. And then I'll actually get underneath the fingertips here and even the nails a little bit to make sure you clean underneath there. And then you gotta get the thumbs. Thumbs are really important. Sing the happy birthday song twice to yourself and that usually will do it. And then I just sort of get the soap off my hands here and there. And then here's the key. Before you turn the water off, dry your hands, then use the same paper towel, turn off the water, you don't contaminate yourself. And we thought it was just about squirting a little liquid hand soap on and running some water over that. It's, it's a little bit more complicated than that, didn't you see? Uh, it's about properly washing your hands. And right now, you are probably thinking, uh, what, at a 11.33 in the morning, why in the world is Pastor Stan trying to teach us how to wash your hands correctly? And let me just say, there is a good reason, and I have an answer for that. Uh, the parable that we're going to look at today is actually um, a result of a question that was asked of Jesus by the Pharisees, and it had to do with washing hands properly. Um, Washing hands was a really big deal to the Jewish people. Washing hands, washing cups, uh, washing bowls, washing tables. They were very serious about it. They had a uh, document called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah was a collection of uh, oral traditions that had been handed down. And in the Mishnah, there was a 25-page section that dealt only with how to properly wash your hands. I'm talking... Everybody was serious about washing hands. Uh, It was more of a ceremony than anything, and it really had to do with rinsing more than washing. And this is what a uh, hand-washing ceremony might look like. One person would take a jug of water, and they would pour from that jug the water over another person's hands while that person's fingers were pointing up. 
And after all of the water dripped down off the hands, down off the wrists, they were uh, cleared to go into the next phase of washing hands. And they were to point their fingers down. The other person would take the jug of water and pour the water over the hands while it, their hands were, uh, fingers were pointing down and the water would drip off. And then they were supposed to take their fist and rub their hands until they were clean. I mean, they were serious about the proper way to wash their hands. It said that there was one Jewish rabbi who was arrested by the Romans and nearly died in prison because he used up his rash, daily ration of water trying to make sure he had washed his hands properly. They were really serious about this. Well, Jesus' response to the Pharisees' question about this hand-washing thing is found in chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. But before I read his response, um, you've heard me say this week after week, context is everything. So it's very important that we go back to the beginning of chapter 7 and we trace what's happened before Jesus tells this parable. As the chapter begins, we find that uh, uh, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law have come from Jerusalem and they've gathered around Jesus. This was a very common occurrence. They looked for every opportunity they could to follow him so that they could accuse him, they could discredit his ministry, and they could create controversy. And this time, the controversy had to do with their tradition of washing hands. They had observed that the disciples ate without washing their hands. In reality, it wasn't that they didn't wash their hands. It's that they didn't wash according to the tradition. They didn't wash uh, following the proper rinsing ceremony. And so the Pharisees were appalled at what they saw. And this is what caused them to confront Jesus asking, why do your disciples eat with defiled hands and not live according to the traditions? As in past times, Jesus responds to them immediately. He doesn't correct uh, the lack of behavior that's been perceived by uh, the Pharisees uh, of the disciples. But instead, he, um, he, he questions the Pharisees' motive. He questions their agenda. And he actually calls them out on their own hypocrisy. And he says something like this. You pay more attention to your traditions than you do to God's word. Your religion lacks real substance. You're all about the show. And then uh, just before the parable, he goes on to confront them about their failure to take care of their aging parents, which was customary, which was an expectation in the Jewish culture. And then he comes to the parable that we're going to look at today. Before I read the parable, I think it's important to note that the parable that we're going to look at today is very different than any of the other parables that we've looked at in this series. All of the other parables have been in story form. In fact, when we began the series, we said that a parable is a story that brings about a spiritual truth. Well, when we look at this uh, particular parable, it doesn't come in story form. And in fact, there's been great debate on whether or not it's a parable. But if you look in chapter 7, verse 17, it's referred to as a parable. So I'm going to treat it as a parable today. So follow along as I read beginning in chapter 7, verse 14. It says, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me. And remember, this is in, after everything that I just talked about has happened. Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. 
Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered into the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So, um, when we look at verses 14 through 16, we see following Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees, he offers clarification about his response to the Pharisees. He offers it to the disciples and another, uh, a larger group of people who have gathered around. And here's my paraphrase of what he says. The Pharisees think you get dirty from what you take in from the outside. And this was a result of the belief that certain foods that you would eat would, would defile you, make you unclean. And that was part of the old covenant. But he goes on to say, it's not what you take in by your mouth that, you defile, that defiles you. It's not about the food that you eat. Instead, what comes out of your mouth and your behaviors are what make you unclean. And this should concern you so much more because your heart will dictate what comes out of your mouth and your heart will dictate your behaviors. Be concerned about the condition of your heart instead of the condition of the food or the dirt or the filth that surrounds you. That's the message he's getting across. In verses 17 and 19 uh, through 19, he says, in a more private setting, uh, the disciples come and they, they ask and they want to know more about what Jesus meant. So first he's offered clarification. Now he's going to give them an explanation of what he meant. And the explanation is very simple and it's very straightforward. And this is what he says. Uh, what goes in your mouth doesn't go into your heart. Instead, it goes into your stomach and then eventually out of your body. And the point that he was making is that the Pharisees were so concerned about their traditions. They were so concerned about what people saw. They were so concerned uh, about their, their rituals that they failed to begin to comprehend the condition of their hearts. And their hearts were sick. And then in verses 20 through 23, once again, Jesus emphasizes that what comes out of a person is what makes them defiled, what makes a person unclean. And he illustrates this by giving a list of behaviors that are prompted by a sick heart. And I want to walk you through that list. He begins and he says, evil thoughts. Evil thoughts are a, a, a result of a sick heart. Evil thoughts uh, birthed in the heart give way to evil words and evil behavior. He says, sexual immorality, which is any illicit form of sex. Theft, taking what doesn't belong to you, murder, 
taking another person's life, adultery, illicit acts of sex carried out by a married person, greed, the overwhelming desire for more, malice, which is deliberate acts of meanness, deceit, which is sneaky and deceptive behavior, lewdness, which is shameless, hedonistic behavior, envy, wanting what belongs to another, slander, damaging speech about another person, arrogance, which is self-exalting, lacking humility and folly, which is being spiritually desensitized or cold towards the things of God. And he concludes the list by confirming that all of these things are rooted inside of us. They're rooted in the heart. And because they're in the heart, they come out and they degrade us, they defile us, they, they make our behavior unclean. I think that the key to really understanding the parable is to recognize what Jesus actually focuses on. The Pharisees, again, were focused on the external. They were uh, focused on the showy things. It was all about appearances. In contrast, Jesus brings our attention to the internal things. He focuses on the heart and the power that the heart has to defile us, to devalue us, to degrade us. Um, Many of you in the room might remember a comedian by the name of Flip Wilson. If you remember Flip Wilson, raise your hand few of you, yeah, maybe half of you. Flip Wilson was a comedian, what did we say, back in the 70s, maybe early 80s. Um, uh, for those who don't know, Flip Wilson had, had a catchphrase that he was well known for. What, you remember what that catchphrase that he always used? The, the, the devil made me do it. That was his big thing. The devil made me do it. And every time he said it, we would laugh. And we would laugh because we'd love to use that same catchphrase too, right? The devil, the devil made me do it. Well, even though we laugh, when we say, or when Flip Wilson says, the devil made me do it, it's blame wrongly placed because Jesus is saying it is a matter of the heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your hearts above all else for it determines the course of your life. And I know that I keep pressing in on this this morning, but the evil that's inside of our hearts wants to come out. And if and when it comes out, it's going to come out in our words and it's going to come out in our behavior. And at times, this is going to be because of our corrupt, sinful nature. And at other times, it's going to be a result of choices that we've made. And there'll be other times that when it comes out, it's a result of emotional, uh, mental, and physical injuries that we have experienced or that we're currently experiencing. Even though this is true, what we have to understand is that our sinful nature, uh, the physical injuries, the mental, emotional injuries, uh, these things are not the culprits. These things are just allies with the heart. The wrong words and the wrong behaviors that come from our heart are seeded in the heart and they grow out of the heart. But here's what I'm thankful for, and I think you are the same. Aren't you thankful that God changes hearts? So we're, we're talking the truth about the heart, that the heart is wicked and it's deceitful. 
But we have a God who has chosen us and he changes hearts. I love Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and listen, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. This prayer that Paul prays is a reminder of the power that is resident within us. And it's the same power, it says, that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So that's why I can declare today that we serve a God who has the power to change hearts because that power is not like any other power that we can ever know or we can ever experience. That power is resident in us. Our hearts are changed through this power. How? How are our hearts changed through this power? Well, uh, our hearts are changed as we experience the transformational work of the Holy Spirit always at work in our lives. The, transfor the transformational power of the Holy Spirit is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit changing us so that we can fully live as the new creations that we have been created to be through Jesus Christ. And that happens at the moment of salvation. When we're saved, the Bible says that we start life all over. We're a new creation. Everything changes at that moment. But also, there's this ongoing process that's happening where the Holy Spirit is working in us, changing those things that are inside of us, transforming us. Our hearts are changed when we learn to live uh, with the Holy Spirit as our filter. Have you, uh, is anybody in the room familiar with what a life straw is? Anybody at all? Yeah. So for those who don't know, let's say if you are a hiker and you're in the mountain and uh, you, you're thirsty and you don't have any more water, uh, if you have a life straw, uh, without a life straw, if you were to reach down and begin to drink water out of a mountain stream, somebody may say, don't, don't do that. That could have some really uh, perilous bacteria in it that can make you really sick. And so you wouldn't drink it. But if you have a life straw with you, then you can actually reach down into that water and begin to suck water out of that stream and drink it. And what happens is that life straw becomes a filter and all the impurities that are already inside the water stay there and only the purity of the water comes up and into your mouth. This is a great picture of what uh, Jesus is illustrating. These things are resident in our heart. But when we submit ourselves to the transformational work of the Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to be a filter as we submit to Him. And so these things that are in us, they want to come out. But as we submit to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit filters them out. And so instead of those evil behaviors working themselves out through us, the Holy Spirit is changing us. He is a filter for us. And those things aren't able to make their way out. Instead, what happens, instead of those things coming out, things like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
gentleness, self-control. Those are the things because our behaviors are being changed, again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are changed also as we continually thank God for His grace. You see, in this process of transformation, there will be days where we mess up. Right? Has anybody messed up this week? Yeah. We, we, we all have. Uh, and we mess up because uh, in our humanity, things will come from within. Somehow, uh, we've gotten our focus off of Jesus and, and we've, we've closed ourselves off to the work of the Holy Spirit so the filter isn't able to work and these things come out because we give in to self. And so they, they defile us. They, they make us unclean. But thankfully, because of God's grace, He cleanses us and He redeems us when we fail. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for because God, while we were still broken and unclean, loved us just like we were. And he loved us so much that he chose to send his son to redeem us, to cleanse us from our sin, and give us the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So how do we take all of this and apply it? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. I want you to think back over your past week. Can you identify any words that were spoken um, or any behaviors that came out and they came out because they were rooted in a sick place in your heart? Can you identify words and behaviors that did not reflect Jesus Christ in your life? I want you to bow your heads and I want you to just think about this for just a moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Have an honest conversation with the Holy Spirit and listen to what He says. Father, today we confess that um, we all fail. We don't always get it right. And so as we think back over the days of this past week, the processes of this past week, uh, we can recall, with the help of your Holy Spirit, words that were spoken that did not reflect the fact that you were our Savior. And we can recall behaviors that were wrong. Somehow they were able to get past the filter of the Holy Spirit. We confess that we blow it. We don't all get it right. And so today, as we re are reminded of those things... Uh, we surrender them to you right now. We offer them up to you. We ask for your forgiveness. We recommit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit 
in our lives. Holy Spirit, we want you to be our filter. Father God, we thank you that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are cleansing us and you are redeeming us because of the finished work of the cross. And as we move through this week, we, um, we recognize that we're not going to be able to be successful on our own. So we ask for a refilling of this power that the Apostle Paul talks about. The same power, Father God, that you used in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. I pray that it be stirred in us. And that as we walk through this week, that our words are words of peace and comfort and joy and truth. And that our behaviors are the same. That our behaviors and our words are a reflection of the great God who lives within us through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just ask that you do that work in us right now. We, we offer these things to you. We surrender them to you. Forgive us, Lord. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask this. Um, is it possible that the Holy Spirit's working in your heart right now, uh, revealing some things to you, and chief among those things is He's revealing that you've never actually entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never actually offered your life to Him. You've never said, Jesus, um, I recognize my sin is separated me from God but Jesus I also know I believe and I confess that you died on the cross in my place so I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin come into my heart I, I submit and commit my life to you today uh, I want to be a new creation I just wonder is there anybody here today and you just say I've never asked Jesus into my heart but today is the day I want to do that if so would you just lift up your hand I know when I ask that question and I can look around that that would be the case for everyone, but I'm never going to let it go by. I'm never going to make an assumption. Father, I thank you that in this room right now are a group of people who know you as Lord and Savior and who are consistently, ongoingly being transformed by the power of your Spirit. I pray today as we recommit ourselves to you that we would be salt and light as we leave this place and we would be bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ and people would see it in our lives. I pray that throughout this coming week there would be divine appointments uh, that everyone in this room would have and they would have an opportunity in some way to show uh, Jesus in their life and to speak the words of the gospel. And Father God, I'm also praying once again that uh, you send people to us in our weekend services who don't yet know you so that we can declare the gospel to them. They can come into your family, into your kingdom, and then we can help them grow in their relationship with you. We ask this because we know that this is what you've called us to do, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father God, today as we're closing, I just speak blessings over everyone here. I ask that you go before us and prepare the way. Uh, for everything that will occur throughout this week, I pray that you just uh, make a, 
uh, a very obvious pathway. I pray that we experience the fullness of your spirit in every way. Um, I pray for peace of mind. I come against anxiety and fear in the name of Jesus. And um, I just ask that uh, we grow in you this week. So we commit ourselves to you right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.